Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to Wednesday night uh, Bible study. We're looking at the book of John chapter 3 right now. And actually, this is our last week on John chapter 3. Next week, we're going to be starting John chapter 4, which will be a different teacher for that chapter. And then we'll switch over. We're every So basically, it works like this. Every chapter will be a different teacher. And we, do, we, we uh, go back and forth like that. So next week, there will be, we'll be starting John chapter 4. So stay tuned in. And then, um, so last week, if you remember, we finished off in John chapter 3, verses 28. And it, in this part, John says, John himself says, You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. And that's where we left it. Basically, talking about how John came as a witness of the light. And it was John's own testimony of who he is and what he came to do talking about going back to John chapter 1 which I also taught um, so yeah so John was reminding the, his disciples of his purpose and then he moves forward so we're going to be finishing off today verses 29 to 35 and then so now he switches not switches gears but um, he kind of starts explaining to them a little bit of like the deeper purpose here and verse 29 read the whole section and then we'll go back to the beginning he says in verse 29 it is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows therefore i am filled with joy at his success he must become greater and greater and i must become less and less he has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. That was ending with verse 36. So back to verse 29. It says, It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. So think about a wedding. Bridegroom, the bride, the groom, you know, all that. So the groom, they're saying here the bridegroom, right? But we call it in these modern terms, we call it the groom and the bride, right? And the groom is there to marry the bride. But then generally speaking, the groom will have a best man, right? Um, what's the best man's job at a wedding, right? The best man's job is to make sure there's nothing in the groom's way basically you know at, at a typical modern day wedding he's like making sure you know everything's set there's no there's no snags right he's going ahead of the groom making sure so when the wedding ceremony starts the groom just really just steps out to the front and boom he's ready to accept his bride who will come down the aisle that's the bra the best man's job right so john is basically giving this analogy of that he is the best man jesus is the groom and the church as a whole all born again believers are the bride and jesus the, john has come to prepare the way for the groom to come back and take his bride the born again believers what we would call what people will call the church okay so what John has done is he's paved the way. He's prepared the people for Jesus to come, right? He's prepared the people for Jesus to come and teach and preach and to heal them physically and ultimately spiritually, okay? So that's what we're talking about here. 
So John is saying he's filled with joy at his success, right? Remember, we talked about the, the John's disciples like, oh no, he's baptizing more people than we are kind of thing last week. And Sorry about that. It's my alarm. And so last week we were talking about that. And um, what, G what John did is he came and prepared the way, right? He prepared the way and they were saying, you know, oh no, look, he's baptizing more people than us. <clears throat> right? And then John kind of set it straight. He's saying, this isn't a competition between us. It's actually the completion of my ministry. Is, is This is the completion of John's ministry. That's why he's filled with joy because he's done his job. He's done what the Lord put on his heart to do. So moving forward to verse 30, John continues to say, he's continuing to put Jesus in the right place. He's continuing to explain to these disciples of his saying, this is where Christ should stand in your eyes, in your heart. Right? He says, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. The goal is to have more of Jesus coming out of you than yourself. You might say, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, Juan. But... It does make sense. Think about this. We want less of our sinful nature and more of Jesus Christ's holy nature. Now, does that make sense? Less of me, more of him. That's what that means. Less of my sinful nature, more of his holy nature. So that's what John is saying there. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. It's not a self-degrading thing. It's not a thing about low self-esteem. It's a proper placement of where God should be in our lives. More of God, less of one. Less of me, less of you. Okay? Verse 31. He must come. No, sorry. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, basically. But he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Does this sound familiar to you? Didn't we already talk about this at the beginning of the chapter? Beginning of the chapter, John chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. What did Jesus say? He said, if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Oh, this is a great thing. The next few verses, 31, 32, 33, 33, 34, um, we're going to see John repeating what Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in private. I mean, I'm a little amazed here, right? Because that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through John, talking. John is literally spitting forth the very same words that Jesus spoke to someone in private. John would have no idea of this, but the Holy Spirit does. That's what connects believers. The Holy Spirit connects us. So that's how the, you know this is true. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee of eternal life. It's our God's down payment to us saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to prove to you, you will have eternal life if you believe in me. And more about that to come. So this is what amazes me. John chapter 3, 12 and 13, Jesus says this to Nicodemus. John chapter 8, verse 23, jumping ahead, Jesus says, You are from below, I am from above, you belong to this world. I do not. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Earth. 1 Corinthians 15, 47, Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Then look at John chapter 6, 33. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life 
to the world. And then if remember, if we want to go back and say, give life to the world, then you could cross-reference that back to John chapter 1, verse 4. And it says this, the word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. So we are made, are from the earth. We're from the earth. We were created by the one who comes from heaven. He's the one that gave us life. He's the one that brought, the word brought life. And through that life, he brought light to everyone. You know, it's like we're just completing the dot to dot. Oh, if this, this, and then that, and this, and this. Oh, now this picture makes sense, right? So that's what we're talking about here. So then he says, verse 31, He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things. We speak of earthly things. But he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Verse 32, He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Does this sound familiar again? John chapter 3, verse 11. John chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus tells us that he's testifying to what he has seen and heard and no one accepts his witness. 3.19 tells us that Jesus' witness is not accepted. It's, and why it's not accepted? It's because we love darkness more than light. Okay? Verse 33. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. Look at 1 John 5.10. It says, All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar. Because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. Whoa. Hey, be careful there, guys. You don't want to call God a liar. Big mistake. You know, it's like crossing the biggest, baddest dude in town. And you come across and you do something that he doesn't like. Big mistake, right? Well, this is a bigger mistake. You don't call God a liar. If God says something, well, he speaks truth. Because remember, if we go back to the beginning of John, God speaks grace in grace and truth. Okay? Jesus brought truth. True. He brought real truth to this world through the light, through the life that he brought with him. So to call God a liar is to say that he's not telling the truth and you are. What? Yeah. Okay. Us telling the truth innately is the dumbest thing we've, I've ever heard. Okay? Um, we are not truth tellers. We're liars. Okay? Innately, human beings are liars. We're sinners. Okay? So we're liars. We think, we lie to ourselves because we think we have it all under control. We don't need God. Right there, we're we believe our own lies. But in actuality, we need God. We cannot attain to perfection. Imperfection cannot attain to perfection. You can go backwards. You can be perfect and make a mistake and become imperfect. But imperfect, once imperfect, always imperfect. Unless someone pays the debt needed to make you to show you as perfect in essence you're not really perfect but someone is paying the price for you to be perfect okay romans chapter 8 verse 16 for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are god's children you guys know this to be true if when you became a believer you felt the holy spirit in your life and the holy spirit spoke to you and you knew i you knew you know when you've been given new life for real john 3 18 shows us that John is confirming what Jesus said earlier in the chapter. So this is the amazing thing. All these verses we've just looked at, John is saying the same things that Jesus said to Nicodemus. Why? Because it's truth. God can only speak truth. Because God is just. God is fair. God is truth. 
Everybody says, well, God is love. Well, God is also truth. Did you know that? God is also truth. And because God is truth, he cannot lie. He is, it is impossible for God to lie. Okay, God cannot be truth if he lies. It's like, if then. If God is truth, then he cannot lie. It's logic. It's a logic statement. Okay? <clears throat> Verse 34 says, For he is sent by God, he speaks God's words, for God gives them the Spirit without limit. And we know this from back in Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verse 19. It says, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. This is him talking to Moses. And then this at the time you think, oh, he's talking about Joshua. Or he's talking about this person in the future. He's talking about David, right? But no, he's actually talking about Jesus. And this, this, this is actually talking about a few, a few different people. But ultimately, he's talking about Jesus Christ. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. Then to go with that, look at John chapter 7, verse 16. It says, So Jesus told them, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Oh, okay. You look at Deuteronomy, you think, Well, you know, that's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about he'll tell the people everything that God commands him, right? But then Jesus says himself, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Oh, okay. It is Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 16 says this, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing, after another and remember this this is what i want you to remember here james chapter 1 verses 5 second part of it says this ask our generous god and he will give it to you he will not rebuke you for asking in the new king james it says this i like the wording of the new king james a little bit better it says this let him ask of god who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him for he is sent by god who speaks god's words for god gives him the spirit without limit and God can give you the spirit without limit. Because in James chapter 1, verse 5, it tells us that if we ask God, in that case, it's talking about wisdom, which wisdom comes from the spirit. If we ask for wisdom, he will give it to us liberally and without reproach. It says he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, right? If you want to ask for wisdom. But if you want to ask for the spirit, go ahead and ask. And he'll give it to you. He's not going to hold back. It says here, God gives him the spirit without limit. And he can give you the spirit without limit as well. Verse 35. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. We see evidence of this in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8. It says, you gave them authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. Which comes from, actually, it's a reference to Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. It says, you gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. In that case, it was talking about um, man and God putting all of creation under his stewardship. You know, if you look back in Genesis, he's talking about, I give you dominion over the animals and the plants and all that stuff. But remember, Jesus Christ came down as a man. And so, as a man, he had dominion over all things. But as God, everything that was created is under his authority. So then you see that Psalm chapter 8, verse 6, not just talking about us, us, us as men, but talking about God as man. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? It's so interesting how God does things and words things. And if you really want to get into studying the scripture, you need to look at all the words and how they're put together and connect the dots so you get the full picture, not just a picture of random dots. You know, and that's how some people study the Bible. They just study the dots. They just study the dots, but they don't connect those dots to see God's big picture 
in place and, and get a real idea of what well, this is what God is doing. And ultimately, we don't have an idea of the 100% full picture, but God gives us glimpses of that picture and allows us to connect certain dots and say, oh, I see this here. I see what this might be becoming, you know. And then we have to continue to rely on God and the Holy Spirit to continue to reveal God's greater plan to us. And then verse 36, And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. And we've been reading this over and over. John 3.16, you know. John chapter 1 was telling us this. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. In John 3.16 and 17, John chapter 6 verse 47, Jesus corroborates this statement, this statement by making it himself. So John the Baptist is making this statement. Now, but then Jesus also makes the same statement. So you've got these two different guys, you know, Jesus himself, God himself, and then you have a man who came to witness of God before he was on the scene, per se, on the scene, saying the same thing, which calls people to repentance. And look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Ladies and gents, this it's dangerous, man, you know? Two things you have to remember here. God only speaks truth. You, as a result of your wicked heart, which talks, which the word tells us our heart is wicked above all things, as a result of your wicked heart, are a liar. And you lie to yourself. And God is the only real truth, the only absolute truth in this universe. Okay? First thing to remember. Secondly, you, as a sinner, suppress the truth. Because it says here, Romans 1.18, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. You know? We are and were wicked people who suppress the truth by our own wickedness, right? But the beautiful thing is, once Jesus Christ has come into our heart and rejuvenated us, and reconciled us back to God, we no longer are slaves to that truth suppression that it comes naturally to us. Now, we're learning to speak truth as well, just like God. Like John said here earlier on, John said it in verse, was it 20 and 30? He says, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. We suppress the truth less and less because we are now becoming like Jesus Christ. We are now allowing more of God's, Jesus's holy nature to come out of us instead of our sinful nature. Now, here's the third thing. If you want to become, if you want to go against God, the surefire way to do that is to suppress the truth. Become a liar. Be a liar. Tell lies. Live a life of lies. Listen to everything the world is telling you. And believe me, you'll have God as your enemy really fast. Now, I'm only telling you this as in a sense of like, a ridiculous thing to tell you that don't do that do not suppress the truth in your life do not turn away from God to the lies bounce what you hear out there in the world and what your own feelings and emotions are telling you and what your family members and and coaches and uh, spouses are telling you against what the Bible says against what God's truth says and then you'll be able to run down what is truth and what is a lie and then align yourself with the truth and push away the lies and actually correct people in love, of course. So that's all that I have for you today. I hope that you've been blessed in the study of John chapter 3 and I know you'll be blessed in the study of John chapter 4. God bless you guys and we'll see you next week.